If you have your Bibles with you today, open them up to the fourth chapter of uh, Ephesians. Of Ephesians. <laughs> Say it too fast and it becomes Ephesians. But uh, I want to pick up where we left off a couple months ago. Last month I taught on, the, on Pentecost and we're going to get back into the book of Ephesians tonight. And I just want to finish out a couple verses in the section and kind of prep you for the rest of chapter 4, which I'll finish next time I teach. Yahweh willing, hopefully I'll settle the understanding of how we become new creatures in the Messiah. New men and women, if you will. In my last sermon on the book of Ephesians, we covered verses 17 through 19. But for the sake of context, I want to reread them today. We'll start in verse 17 and go all the way to verse 24 of the fourth chapter. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17, it says, Therefore I say this and testify in the Lord... You should no longer walk as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of the Almighty because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They become callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. But that is not how you learned about the Messiah, assuming you heard him and were taught by him because the truth is in Yeshua. You took off your former way of life, the old man that is corrupted by deceitful desires. You are being renewed in the spirit of your minds. You put on the new man, the one created according to the Almighty's likeness and righteousness and purity of the truth. All right, the last time I taught, we talked about the old man. We talked about the way the Gentiles walked. We talked about the former way of life. The life that was wretched the one that was full of promiscuity, impurities, deceitful desires, the life, they were darkened in their understanding in that life and where they were excluded from the life of Yahweh. We're talking about the people in Ephesians or the the saints in Ephesus or or the people in Ephesus and we're also talking about our lives. We talked about the influence within the world we live in and how... That drives our fleshly man, the outside influence. I gave you a backdrop of the city of Ephesus, and I tried to explain to the best of my ability what life would have been like for the citizens who lived in Ephesus. And I tried to show you the reason for the writings of Paul here in the fourth chapter of Ephesians. We talked about the pagan god Artemis. You may know her as Diana. We talked about the plurality of gods that the citizens of Ephesus would have been surrounded by. And I tried to get the point across of how much pressure that would have been on the people there in Ephesus, the new converts, because of all the other religious practices that were going on at that time. It would have hindered and caused the new Gentile converts to stumble in their faith. See, these religions were prevalent there, and they were very, very influential. For a lot of people, participating in these religions were a means of income. I talked about the silversmith, Demetrius, in Acts chapter 19, the one that Paul riled up when he told the saints and all the other people there in Ephesus that the idols that that were made by hands were not gods at all. They were simply idols. But not only was the making of idolatrous figurines a way of making a living, the history of the whole city was based on the worship of the god Artemis. Even the city clerk who calmed the rioting down 
in Acts chapter 19 and verse 35, even him, he said this, he says, Men of Ephesus, what man is there who doesn't know that the city of the Ephesians is the temple guardian of the great Artemis and of the image that fell from heaven? So you see, the worship of this so-called God ran deep throughout the city. And it was a huge influence on all who were there, including even the new converts. And this is what Paul's combating in verses 17 through 19. He tells the saints, as we discussed last time, you should no longer walk as the Gentiles walk. Their thoughts were futile. Their mind was warped. They were excluded from the life of Yahweh. And they had become calloused. And they had even given themselves over to wickedness. Not only... Had the people of Ephesus given themselves over to the idolatry and all that comes with it, but they had developed a desire for more and more and more. They'd, so, they'd come so, become so callous to it that they just they craved it. They craved the idolatry. See, the influence was powerful. It was very powerful. It was just a wrong influence. So maybe you can see why Paul is concerned with the influence that the people of Ephesus would have had on the new converts that are coming out of the old way of life. And that leads us to where we're at today in verse 20 in the study that we'll, we'll partake in today. And this is where we'll start to unpack a few of these verses. And I'm going to try my best to get Paul's point across to you. But keep in mind this. Keep in mind as we go through this, the backdrop of the trouble with the idolatry in Ephesus. Context is key to understanding anything in the Bible, but keep in mind the, the, the problem with idolatry in Ephesus. That's one thing that we need to keep in mind. Keep also in mind the reason for the letter that Paul is writing. Remember the first three chapters of Ephesians are about how you became who you are. That's the first three chapters. And the last three chapters are about how then you should act because of who you now are. Okay? There's, uh, it's broken in half, just about right down the middle. The first three, how you became who you are. The last three chapters are how we're supposed to act because of who we are. Okay, And also remember this, the whole context of chapter 4 in the book of Ephesians is about unity within the church, the functioning of the church as a whole body. Keep those three things in mind because it's, it's detrimental in, in order to understand what Paul's trying to, to re- relay to his readers. So verse 20, Paul says this, it says, But that is not how you learned about the Messiah. And stop right there. Paul, what do you mean that is not how you learned about the Messiah? This verse troubled me in studying for it. I didn't know the correct answer to what he means. How, that's not how you learned about the Messiah. I think there's a couple different avenues you can take with this. I picked one, one that I think fits the context the most. There's some other ways. If somebody's interested in understanding this verse in a different light, I'd be glad to share with you after, after I get through preaching. But I think what I think he means is this, is, is that you didn't learn about the Messiah through vain philosophy, through lies, through human cunning, with cleverness in the techniques of, the de- of deceit. You didn't hear about the Messiah by the waves of different teachings that are based on one's own opinion. You didn't learn about the Messiah. You didn't hear the good news the way the people of Ephesus learned about Artemis. Okay? You were taught the gospel the way that the Gentiles, you weren't taught the gospel the way that the Gentiles were taught about their God. Now this phrase, how you learned about the Messiah, could also be rendered how you know the Messiah. 
Okay? It's the same Greek structure in Philippians 3 and in verse 10 where it says, Paul says this, he says, It is my goal, my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection. The word know right there could be used, learned, they're interchangeable, okay? So Paul, in other words, is saying, but that is not how you know the Messiah. You don't know about him through vain philosophy. You didn't learn about him the way the Gentiles learned about their gods. Rather, you know him because he taught you. Verse 21. Assuming you heard him and were taught by him because the truth is in Yeshua. So to know the Messiah is not just to have a knowledge of who he is, but rather to be entrenched with a personal relationship with him. Okay, The disciples knew Yeshua. They knew him. Not because they saw him walk down the street. No, but they knew him because they heard him and were taught by him. Yeah. All right. Let's look at the book of John real quick. In the 14th chapter, in the 7th verse and following, I believe a great example of this kind of knowing or learning is defined right here. We'll read through verse 11. It says this, it says, If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Lord said, Philip, show us the Father, and that's enough for us. Yeshua said to him, Have I been among you all this time without you knowing me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you, I do, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. See, the Messiah says here in verse 9 of John 14... He says, have I been among you all this time without you knowing me? In other words, the Messiah is not separate from his character. He is what he says and he is what he does. However, because of him being who he is, he doesn't have to be seen or heard by the believers physically. See, his life itself, that is more than all his teachings. His life is his teachings. Okay, And it's, it's when we learn from his life that we learn Him. And then we see the Father. The message about Yeshua would have come to the Ephesians through the agents that were selected for the ministry of the Gentiles. That being Paul primarily, but others as well. Barnabas, Timothy, Titus. All these people were sent to Gentile churches. Every single one of them. They would share the gospel with the Gentiles and the Gentiles would believe. And as Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13 says, when they believed, they would be sealed with the Holy Spirit. See, the revelation of who Christ is, that is the message. If you believe who He is, then you believe what He was, and you'll understand what He did. His works, His love, His grace, because there's truth in the Messiah. As it says at the end of verse 21 in chapter 4. Now these brothers and sisters would have never heard the grace that came from the Messiah's lips personally. However, when the Messiah ascended on high, He made a way. He gave gifts to people. And these gifts consisted of the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers. He made made a way by creating the ministry. Okay? These gifts consisted of the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. These offices being fulfilled is what led to the gospel being shared with these new converts. 
which in turn caused them to know to know Christ or to learn of Christ. Okay, And for them to hear Him and to be taught by Him. The relation of Yeshua and His message is one and the same. To know means to have been taught by Him. To be taught by Him means to know Him. The character of Yeshua is the very nature of Yahweh in human form. If we know Him, we know the Father. If we believe in Him, we believe in the Father. If we believe the works that He did, then we will also do the works that He did. And even greater works in the sense of quantity. Okay? And I believe that this is the mindset that Paul has as he leads into verse 22. He says, you took off your former way of life, the old man that is corrupted by deceitful desires. In other words, Paul is saying, we have come to know Yeshua. He now lives in us. We are no longer the old man that walks in the ways of the Gentiles in deceitful desires. Rather, we have come to know the Christ and all that he is. Therefore, it demands a change. It doesn't suggest a change. It demands a change. There has been a spiritual conversion that has taken place. There is a transformation that has occurred. The spiritual man has become transformed. Okay? And while Yahweh has transformed your spiritual, spiritually, or has transformed you spiritually, by the power of His Holy Spirit, there is a requirement from you to act, for you to act. You've got to act. Or rather, I should say, there's a requirement that you live up to the position that has been given to you. Okay? So he's not talking about our spiritual nature here. The spiritual nature has been changed, but rather our lifestyle. That's what Paul's talking about, our lifestyle. Our old lifestyle as opposed to our new lifestyle. That's what we must change. But how is that possible? How do we do that? Well, it's a thinking thing. It's not, a, it's not so much a heart thing. The heart thing's already taken place. That's part of it. But how do we change? How do we act? How do we make something happen right here? It's a thinking thing. Your mind has to be renewed. And that's why in verse 23 it says, you are being renewed in the spirit of your minds. See, once our mind is changed, then our actions will follow. So think about your old ways. What is pleasing and displeasing to Yahweh? There's only one way to do this, and that is to use Yahweh's standard as a guide. Think about your own way. You compare it to the law. Okay, here we go. And that standard would be none other than the law of Yahweh. If we compare our lives to the law of Yahweh in every aspect, how do we fare? How do we measure up? When you take your life, the old man, take the old man, look at him, look at what you were. If you're a new convert, look at where you were. Look at that old man and compare it to the law. Okay? We can do this one of two ways, okay? We can read the written law and we can check ourselves, or we can look at the Word made flesh and we can check ourselves that way. There's two ways that we can do this. In either situation, we will definitely find ourselves falling short, or at least you should. As the old man, there will be very little alignment with Yahweh's Word, if any. And when we compare our lives to the life of Christ, we should see a major difference between us and him okay the law will show us the error of our ways the law of Yahweh is perfect in converting the soul Psalms chapter 19 verse 7 so as we look into the perfect manner of the law or or the life of Christ we will likely see an extreme group of flaws within ourselves but don't be afraid to do that don't be scared 
to check yourself. Don't be scared to look at yourself and examine yourself next to the Messiah. Don't be scared to look at yourself and examine yourself next to the law. They're one and the same. Don't be afraid to do that. That's what the law is there for. Yes, you should feel ashamed if you are a new spiritual creature. You should look at yourself and, and feel ashamed. But that's the goal. That's the whole idea. You should, you should see your sin. When we go back through the law of Yahweh and examine ourselves according to it, we will find that we are wrong for our pride, for our lust, for our envy, for our gluttony, for our jealousy, for our hatred, for our strife, for our murder, for theft, for Sabbath-breaking idolatry, for disobedience to parents, for partaking in unclean things, for using Yahweh's name in vain, for etc., etc., etc. All of us are guilty of probably all of those and many more. Okay, And we should look at that law and when we see our sin, we should feel guilty. It's a good thing to feel guilty. It's a good thing that your conscience bears witness on you. This is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. That is the point of the law is to point out our sin. So as we examine, we will likely see the old man as he was. Extremely guilty on most all of accounts of transgression, Yahweh's perfect standard. Okay, But fear not. That's what the angels said every time they came. Fear not. That's what he told Gideon. Fear not. That's what, she, that's what the angel told Mary. Fear not. Fear not, saints. Fear not. If you have been born again, there is a change that is taking place. Okay? You have heard the good news. You have, been, you have believed. You have come to know the Messiah. You have learned of Him. You've come to know the Messiah. You have been taught by Him through His perfect, sinless life, and a transformation has been started in you. Praise Yahweh. This is when you start to take off the old man. And by the way, this can and most of the time is a painful undertaking. It was for me. I assume that it is for everybody else. For some of us, it means to cut ties. And when I say cutting ties, it may be cutting ties with old traditions. It may be cutting ties with old habits. Maybe old friends and, yea, sometimes possibly even family. That, that, may be what, that may be what comes of it, okay? Who is my mother and my brother except he who does the will of the Father? But that's what the removal of the old man is about. And praise Yahweh for it. We are becoming new. That's the idea. Not to stay entrenched in the old lifestyle, but to come out of it. And if that is to happen, the old must go away or it must be removed. Think about this. If I've been shoveling manure all day and I'm stinking and sweating, and I have dirt from head to toe and manure from head to toe, I guess, um, I can't just take a bath with my clothes on and call myself clean. It it won't work that way. I'm going to have to get them off. I'm going to have to bathe the stink off of me. I'm going to have to wash those clothes and then put them back on and then I'll become clean. Right? It's the same concept here. Until the spiritual change that takes place in a man happens, he is filthy. With all his sin and disgusting lifestyles that he lives. Once the spiritual change change takes place, though, he must remove the old lifestyle in order to start over. So as we start to remove the old habits, the old lifestyle, we start to examine the righteous lifestyle. That's where verse 23 picks up. Okay? Paul says, you are being renewed in the spirit of your mind. When your mind is renewed, you think differently. You see things from a different perspective. Perspective. Yahweh should be at the forefront, and He and His perfect Son are what our sights are. Or to be set on. When we start to renew our mind, we need to keep our eyes on Yahweh. We need to examine everything through Yahweh's eyes. We need to look at Yahweh's perfect law when we start to renew our mind so that we don't, we don't get any of that junk back in there. We've taken that. We've cast it off. And now as we start to build back, we need to, we need to keep our sights on Yahweh. 
We should no longer walk as the Gentiles walk because we no longer think like the Gentiles think. If you remember in my last sermon, I gave a couple of examples of how things used to be in my personal life. I talked about how I try not to watch movies with obscene gestures and sexual immorality in them. I don't care for foul language or obscene clips of nudity. But brothers and sisters, it wasn't always that way. I wasn't always that guy. I used to laugh at those things, and at one time I thought things like that may have actually even added to the movie or added to the film. Maybe the film wouldn't be as good if it didn't have that in it. I used to think like that. That's because I was worldly and I enjoyed enjoyed worldly things, just like the saints here in Ephesus did. But that's not the life we should live as a changed person. That's not the idea. Now I think differently because my mind is constantly being renewed. Every day, Yahweh educates me through the reading of His Word. Every day. And the examination of the life of His only begotten Son educates me on how my life should look. He is slowly but surely changing the way I think. What I used to applaud, now abhor. And what I used to delight in, now I find a disgrace. Praise Yahweh. He hasn't given up on me. And his process of sanctification is well underway in my life. Okay, The Holy Spirit is active in my life and he is revealing to me the purpose of Yahweh's perfect will in accordance. In accordance. Always remember this. He is revealing to me Yahweh's perfect will in accordance with the Scripture. Not, Not coming from anywhere else, but he's revealing his will in accordance with the Scripture. And I'm so thankful for it. See, that's how it works. First we shed the old man, then we're clean and we're ready to take on the new man with a different and new mindset. After our minds have been reset and all the filth is gone, then we can start to rebuild that new man, that new lifestyle we're trying to change here. Which leads us into verse 24. It says, You put on the new man, the one created according to Yahweh's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. And how does that happen? You ask, well, how do I start changing my lifestyle? How do, I, how do I go about doing this? Well, for starters, let me share a small word of wisdom with you. Matthew shared this with me a long time ago. I like it. I think it sticks. And this is what he said. The only thing a man gets from straddling a fence is a sore tail. Figure out which side you're going to be on. Either you're going to walk in the ways of the world or you're going to serve Yahweh. We don't serve two masters. You either serve one or the other, okay? You have to make up your mind to serve Yahweh. When Yahweh makes a change in you, He gives you the ability to change. You have it in you. You have the ability to change. He has instilled that in you. We will start to serve Him in every aspect when we recognize that ability. We should have that desire to serve Him, okay? We will exchange the bad for the good in everything we do. There is an exchange process that takes place and we'll and we'll get into that more the next time I teach okay but for now just know that one will replace the other the good will replace the bad when we start to build that new man if you had a problem with hatred stop hating and start loving okay find the good in everything you see if there is good in it if you covet your neighbor's things stop looking at his stuff and look at your own stuff and see the blessings and what you already have of your own. Remember this is a mind thing. You will become what you think. If you think worldly things, you'll be worldly. If you think the things of Yahweh, you'll be, you'll be like Yahweh. You'll live a righteous life. 
And your flesh will carry out what goes on in your mind. Make no mistake about it. Whatever goes on up here, upstairs, your flesh will carry it out. We're creating a new man, and this new man is the one that was created according to Yahweh's likeness. A righteous man, a pure man, a true man. Okay, While we were putting this new man on, we need to make sure that he matches the righteousness of Yahweh. When you pick out clothes out of your closet, you don't get a blue shirt and purple shoes. You know, It don't match. It don't match. We're dressing this new man. Let's put things on that matches the righteousness of Yahweh. Our inner man has been renewed. Okay, We've got to make this outer man look like that inner man. We've got to get in touch. We've got to sync them up, so to speak. Okay, Look at his son. If his son didn't do it, then you shouldn't do it. If Yeshua did do it, then you should do it. Okay, Use the law of Yahweh as a guide. Don't think in your minds that you know what is good to put on this new man. Don't think that you know what's good. Use Yahweh's law as a guide. Look at His Son as an example. Don't think that you know. Remember this. Many plans are in a man's heart, but Yahweh's decree will prevail. Okay, That's Proverbs 19.21. So as you dress this new man, make sure that the articles that are put on him matches Yahweh's righteousness. We are new creations, and the spiritual side of the transformation has already been handled by a greater power. Praise Yahweh. Because we would fail if it was left up, for, left up to us to do it. However, there is a call to righteousness that is required and is commanded of you. Okay? Yahweh has given you the ability to walk in His ways, to choose that which is good, based on the instruction that He has given you. Right? So as we use our intellect, and we have to do this, we have to think. We can't, we're not just bumps on a log here, guys. We have to think. So as we use our intellect to act out righteousness, or the righteousness of Yahweh, let's do it in accordance to the perfect standard, His will, in accordance to the grace that's been given to us. We've been given the ability. Let's do it. We're not bumps on a log just to sit around and do nothing. No. That's, that's not the way it's supposed to be. We are choice vessels. Choice, choice, choice vessels. When I go out to eat, I want to eat choice meat. The meat that I choose. Okay? Well, me and Frankie went to dinner one night and I bought a steak. And I won't tell you how much it cost, but it was expensive. But it was the best steak they made and I bought it because it was choice meat. I didn't want the other meat. I am a choice vessel chosen by Yahweh. We're not, we're not just a run-of-the-mill people, guys. We are choice vessels that are chosen by Yahweh. And He's chosen us for Himself. What an easily made prideful thing, or could be made prideful very easily, to know that you've been chosen by Yahweh. That's a, that's a big deal to me. I'm thankful that Yahweh had enough mercy and grace on me to choose me. That's, that's something precious. And, and not only has He chosen me, He's paid the ultimate price for me. I didn't come free. I didn't come free. He had to buy me. He had to buy me. And He bought me with the blood of His own Son. You know, As worthless as I was, He still thought enough to spend money or blood for me. The greatest price, the greatest price out there. He paid it for me, okay? So let's present ourselves as living sacrifices. That's what we are. Sold out to the one who paid the great price for us. Amen? So to recap, before I close... Pretty short today, but before I close, let's recap. How did we learn about the Messiah? Through the ordained ministry that Yeshua directed, right? Not by some crazy or vain philosophy like the Gentiles did. When we heard of Him, we believed in Him. And at that moment, we were sealed with the Holy Spirit as a down payment for our salvation. 
This is how we know Him and are taught by Him. Because we know Him and are in an intimate relationship with Him, we reject the things of the world that are not righteous, pure, and truthful. And we remove them from us in efforts to cleanse this vessel and to make room for a righteous Savior. That's the, that's the goal. Once we've done that, our minds start to become renewed, start to be renewed. And through that renewal process, we are educated in righteousness and holiness that is in alignment with the life of Yeshua, which is found in Scripture. No other place. Not what you think, but what's in Scripture. And finally, we start to put on the new man based on what we understand in Yahweh's standard, His perfect law. We do this because in Ephesians in chapter 2 and in verse 10, it says that we are His creation. You are not your creation, you are His creation, created in Christ for good works, which Yahweh prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them. Folks, being a Christian is not just some run-of-the-mill thing. We are to be cities set on a hill, separated. We are not run-of-the-mill. We're not, we're not your everyday people out here on the street. We are saints. Okay. We're supposed to be separated so that people can see us. We should be the salt of the earth if we do not produce a lifestyle that is righteous. How will anyone ever look at us and differentiate between us and the rest of the world? How do they even know that you're a saint if you look like the rest of the world? It's no good. It's a must. We have to change. We have to look different. Okay? We have been given the ability to be conquerors of the flesh, and it's high time that we do so. So this week, as you go home and over the next month until I teach again, I challenge you in this. Examine yourself with the word of Yahweh, through the law and the life of our of our Messiah. See if you still have some of that old man on you. See if you still got some on you. If you do, work on getting it off. And let Yahweh start to renew your mind in the areas that you have trouble in. Okay? Until then, have a great rest of the new moon and beautiful next month. Father, I thank you for the understanding that I have on the verses that uh, that we've discussed tonight, Father. I, I pray that um, it is the correct understanding and that you're that you're in that one hundred percent. And Father, I just pray that you'll bless this congregation and Father, help us to grow in you. Father, I pray that you would work with us, that um, that we would see our sin, that we would see our flaw. Just because we've been given a new heart, that doesn't mean that we don't have we still don't have a little little old on us. And so, Father, I just pray that you would give us the ability. Give us the strength and know how to get that off of us. Let our minds be conformed to the way that you think, Father. And let us think about righteous things. And let us build this new man in righteousness and piety and purity and truth. And Father, I just pray that we'll that we'll be strong, that we'll be um, we'll be glorifying to you. And Father, as we grow, I pray that we grow in likeness of your Son. Father, we're so thankful for Him and His work that was that uh, conquered death. Father, I just I don't even know how to how to go there with it. But Father, we're, we're so thankful for Him and all that You've done through Him. Father, we just give you, a, give you praise for that today. And I pray that You'll keep all of us safe and let us return back here next week for another Sabbath day to, to celebrate Your Sabbath, to, to um, honor You on Your special days, on Your holy days. Father, keep us safe. Let us have a good week. Father, we give You all the praise and honor and glory in all things. We ask this in Your holy and precious Son's name. Amen.